The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare wrap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. It's time for more provocative thinking about the healthcare of tomorrow. I'm your host, Jared Johnson. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're now in season seven where we're writing the consumer health playbook and answering three important questions. Who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? Let us know what you think about this episode and what topics you're dying to hear about in future episodes by reaching out on LinkedIn or Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about the ex-CEO of OptumRx and his plans to rewire prescription drug delivery. How can we use insider knowledge as a competitive advantage during transformation rather than an excuse not to do it at all? I'll talk about that. Then Ian Haw from Cedar is in the house to share what it takes to build a better financial experience. Does healthcare really have to be so hard? Ian will get into how improving the financial experience can lead more consumers to seek care and stay on top of their health. Let's get into it. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. If you want to rewire the system, you have to know where the cables are. That thought-provoking statement was from Mark Thierer, former CEO of pharmacy benefit manager OptumRx, and now co-founder and CEO of Waltz Health, a startup that plans to lead a new path forward for prescription drugs. In our quest to bring the mindset of the disruptors to the mainstream, this passage might lead us to ask, what does it help to have a deep industry knowledge and when does it get in the way? Some context might help. In an interview with Fierce Healthcare's Rebecca Torrance, Thierer shared his vision for Waltz Health, which just launched with an impressive $35 million in Series A funding. According to the article, the company is developing software to intervene at each step in the pharmaceutical supply chain to create the incentives necessary for lower drug prices. Thierer said, The notion of overlaying a set of government programs to mandate price controls is a failed enterprise. The market will take care of itself if you align interests around patients and price. In addition to the funding figure, there were some other intriguing pieces to the story of Waltz Health. For instance, they're creating a white-labeled search tool that gives pharmacy customers the lowest cost available for each prescription by leveraging all prescription drug savings programs. Then, instead of offering the solution directly to consumers in the style of GoodRx, Waltz will install its tool inside the pharmacy itself to give the largest retailers the power to bring their customers back. Thierer said it's not rocket science. Instead, he believes that other companies have failed because they lacked the depth of insider knowledge and industry connections. What I'm paying attention to is not just the problem that he's looking to solve, but the way in which he looks to solve it. I've heard lots of executives refer to their quote-unquote insider knowledge as a reason to resist change. They use it as the impetus to avoid transformation. But to consider it as a competitive advantage as part of transformation? That's pretty refreshing. 
And to install the tool inside the pharmacy rather than offer it directly to consumers like GoodRx, that could be considered kind of revolutionary. As with all new players, we're in early days. Walt Health just launched. I'll be paying attention to any ripple effects it has for PBMs and health systems down the road, or whether it ends up not making any waves at all. But back to what Mark Thierer said, if you want to rewire the system, you have to know where the cables are. That's thinking with a disruptive mindset. Let's commit to finding more ways for our insider knowledge to lead us to disruption, not give us an excuse to ignore it. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. everybody let's get into the flow give it up for ian ha he is this svp of sales and account management at cedar ian's in the house to talk about the healthcare financial experience we're really interested in how cedar's designing a better experience for consumers and especially where the where's the company headed as the effects of the pandemic start to hopefully pay, uh, fade in the next coming months first and foremost ian welcome to the healthcare wrap Thank you, Jared. Uh, really, really excited to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for, for having me. I, I, I think congratulations is in order. I heard you just hit your 200th episode. So, uh, you know, for me, longtime listener, first time caller and, and thrilled to be here with you. Well, you know, we always appreciate that kind of thing. It's nice to always look back and see where people were, you know, the first time, whether it was a conference that you and I were just connecting about, you know, where we first met or, or connected. But it always makes me think about the amazing people that that truly work in this industry. One of the reasons this podcast is still going is the opportunity to connect with folks who care about improving healthcare. And I think we'll get into that about really specifically what Cedar's doing, what you're doing, and what's out there, what you're paying attention to. But before I go there, let me give you a chance to introduce yourself a little bit more. What did I miss in your bio? What else would you like our listeners to know about you and your background? Yeah, uh, sure. So like you mentioned, I'm our, our senior vice president of our provider organization, and I lead the sales, account management, and client growth organizations for Cedar. I, I'm pretty much lifelong health tech I did a couple of years at uh, Ernst Young right out of school and then went to health tech pretty quickly after that, did about six years at Cerner Corporation, half of that in implementation. I had a technical background and the other half in in sales, then joined Athena Health for about eight years and kind of had a wonderful run there with the first true cloud-based, SaaS-based EHR company, then went to kind of earlier stage health tech, right? So I did a couple of years at a company called Flatiron Health and then uh, a couple of years at a company called Kairos, which is all things enterprise patient access before uh, joining the team here at Cedar. And so that's just a little bit about my professional background on a personal level. I'm pretty much raised in Chicago. I was born in Canada, but uh, raised in Chicago for most of my formative years. I would spent a few years in Denver, Colorado before moving to Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I'm based now for about the last nine years. I also have three children under eight. And so it's uh, never a dull moment uh, here in our house, but uh they keep me young and active and uh, really entertained. So that's a little bit about me, both professionally and personally. I love it. So Chicago, Colorado, and Atlanta, how does that play into your sports loyalties uh, in terms of which teams you root for? Do, you, do you, Does that change as you move around or, or uh, what? how does that work? It's a good question, right? So I, I think like my natural loyalties would always be kind of towards Chicago, right? I grew up in the in the 90s, you know, with like the 90s Bulls. And so to me, that really kind of defined a lot of my my coming of age, right? Uh, during that time in, 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 a, in a time where 
you know, was the arguably the the, the greatest uh, basketball team in, in history. But when I was in Colorado, is you know, kind of Peyton Manning had, had, had recently uh, moved over there, and then so it's 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 really easy, uh, really hard not to to jump on the bandwagon, right? When when teams are doing well, and even being here in Georgia, right, where you have the Braves and UGA in the last year having you know phenomenal runs you kind of root for, for the home team wherever you're at. So, so I would say my loyalties still lie within the Chicago uh, sports nation, but then, you know, I will still root for the, for the hometown. I can definitely relate to that. I will tell you that spending still a lot of years in Texas, growing up in Houston, and I won't mention the name of the baseball team there because I think that'll get people to stop listening right, right there. You know, I'll just say that it was fun to be, you know, to root for the hometown team. And then still, you know, now being in Arizona for 10 years, it's, you do kind of bring those sports loyalties with you. And like you said, it's, it's great to root for the hometown team. And I mean, here we are, I'm sitting here, you mentioned basketball, right? So the Suns are at the beginning of what hopefully is a long playoff run. We don't know how long that will indeed last, but it, right. it's it's fun to root for them. But enough about that. Let me ask you a question here, Ian, and, and this will kind of set the stage for us. I feel like it's worth explaining a little bit more about Cedar itself and the problem that it's trying to solve and why consumers care. There are the payers and providers involved in using the solutions that that you guys provide. And then there's the question of like, you know, why does the, the healthcare consumer themselves, like, what does it mean to them? Maybe we can dissect that a little bit and use that as our starting point in terms of for, for those who aren't familiar, what does Cedar do and what problem are they trying to solve? It's an excellent starting point, Jared. And, you know, maybe I kind of start with the problem. So oftentimes in a consumer's healthcare journey, they're typically quite satisfied with, you know, the clinical experience that they receive during their care, right? They're usually uh, very satisfied with the, the clinician or the, 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 the physician or even the facility or what have you. But oftentimes that administrative or the, the financial experience is usually suboptimal, right? Where you actually, you have a bill that you are sent in a typically a static way with a bunch of codes that you typically don't understand, you have elements of your insurance that you also don't understand. And it's a source of high frustration for the consumer, right? So you had asked, why should the consumer care about this? And quite frankly, it's just because it's a it's a high area of dissatisfaction for the typical patient, right? So fun fact that, that we usually tout at Cedar is that, you know, the, the number one kind of dissatisfier within a healthcare journey is actually billing. The number two is parking, if you're curious, right? So either hospital systems, health system have to create more parking spaces or they should uh, truly look to solve kind of the, the patient financial experience problem if they want to uh, go right after the source of, of, a, of a high dissatisfier within the care journey. So if that's next on your roadmap, you know, solving the parking problem. Right. Uh, solving the problem. You know, I don't know how we're going to do that next year, but, the, you know, it, it could be, you know, through something from Elon, right? Where with driverless cars or, or what have you uh, to solve the parking problem with medical transport, I don't know. Uh, but but we're, we know that at least the financial experience problem from, from our purview, we can definitely help here. And kind of to answer your original question of, of what does Cedar do around that is, is we, we essentially try to make that process easier. We know that uh, one in six uh, Americans have been sent to collections for a debt that otherwise they could actually pay uh, because three out of four Americans can actually are willing and able to pay a typical bill less than a thousand dollars. Right. So that signified to, to Cedar. This is not necessarily like a, I can't pay 
type of problem. There are certainly uh, populations in the in the U.S. that 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 is a problem, but there's oftentimes much more of a process issue. It's difficult to pay, or I don't understand my bill, or it's very inconvenient for me to engage uh, with my provider from a uh, a pre visit even to a post visit standpoint, right? And, and how could we solve that using modern consumer technologies that make it easy for the patients? Make uh, make it a win for the provider so that they could actually get paid fairly for the services that they render and and overall solve this uh, solve this patient financial experience problem. There's quite a lot to that, isn't there? What if we break that down a little bit in terms of how how that works? You know, like from a layperson's standpoint, how does anything make that experience easier? Like what 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 happens when when someone's involved? That's a good question, right? So it's fair to say that the majority of healthcare consumers today they don't actually understand the complexity behind their financial obligation or even like how healthcare billing works. And and quite frankly, Jared, they don't really care about that, right? They 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 just want to a better experience, an easy experience. They want to resolve kind of their issue that they have, and so. The ways that we think we can do that, you know, I would say are, are two kind of major buckets. So the one is by providing transparency and intelligence around this, this area, this, this kind of black box to most consumers, right? So for example, the average consumer, you know, not familiar with ENM or DRG or CPT codes and medical jargon. One thing we do at Cedars, we actually decode those into plain understandable English, because again, if you can increase that understanding of what was uh, provided for them, you actually increase their understanding of it, as well as the conversion of what they do with that information next. Similarly, we provide intelligence around things that their insurance companies might you know, have to educate them on, or the provider health system would have to educate them on. So you know, right now, I probably purposely sit on my any kind of healthcare bill for 60 days, even though I like grew up in RevCycle and healthcare and health tech, you know, because I want to just be absolutely sure that my insurance benefits have kicked in, right? Like, hey, you ran this by my insurance company and they've paid their portion and now it comes to me. And so could you provide some transparency intelligence around what happened with the payer? You know, we truly believe you kind of need deep connectivity with both the provider and with the payer in order to make this transparent and actionable for the person viewing it, right? So if you can bring together those entities and conveniently, you know, decode some of that medical jargon and conveniently put it in front of that patient at the time that you have their attention, you can actually effectively solve their dissatisfaction with the whole process. And then you could also save cost elements for the provider and for the payer all simultaneously. Is it safe to say that if all goes right with that whole process, that the consumer almost doesn't notice they just actually have an experience that they were hoping they had all along. You know what I mean? In almost any other aspect of our lives, there's the Amazonification, if you will, of of everything else. We expect prime shipping. We expect streamed videos to just appear and be exactly what we want. And even banking, in a lot of cases, I feel like made some, some gigantic leaps forward during the pandemic. They made some digital pivots. They made some processes easier and it feels like there's a lot of streamlining happening elsewhere in our lives. And that's the context I always like to think about any kind of healthcare encounter is comparing it to the rest of the context of our lives. So it, it feels like if everything goes right with an improved experience, because you're right, you know, CPT codes are not layman's speak. We're, we're typically not going to be able to understand what those things are. So if all that goes right, then it feels like this is just something that a consumer is going to be like, 
okay, like they can just breathe a little easier. And hopefully that is a very different experience than going into it, dreading it, like we usually do with, with any kind of medical bills. Is that fair to say that it's, it's it almost becomes a little invisible because you're actually just doing what people expected all along? It's a good point, Jared. You know, we have a lot to thank, right, for to, to Amazon's, Netflix and Uber's for, you know, the conveniences in our lives, right? Like we have, we have a lot to thank Amazon for having things delivered to my house in two days or in a day. But we also, uh, you know, they could also shoulder some of the blame in that now as consumers, we expect these conveniences as, and, and quite frankly, we're demanding them now. When that experience is not up to par of other consumer interactions, digital interactions that we have today, we demand it of that. And, and, and the consumer is actually demanding that for uh, healthcare providers and health systems as well. So, you know, we always talk about a stat, Jared, where, you know, roughly a third of patients for health systems or, or medical groups will switch their provider based on a poor digital experience because they've grown so used to having those conveniences, again, from other verticals. And that has, you know, grown 45% since pre-COVID, right? So it's definitely been a true shift in both that expectation of what the experience should be and is actually leading towards attrition or lack of loyalty if you don't have the right strategies in place to to address that consumer need. So, you know, you are no longer, you know, I would say the the health system, uh, local health system is no longer competing with just the health system down the road. But when it comes to eyeballs and, and digital engagement, they are competing with these other, with the Netflixes of the world, right? And the Starbuckses of the world that are providing kind of these top notch experiences and they have to Uh, to adapt to that strategy. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Justin Knott here with the Patient Convert Podcast, your weekly dose of healthcare marketing growth strategies, co-hosted by Justin and Kelly Knott. This is perfect for physicians, practice owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, and healthcare executives. We are breaking down what practices and healthcare organizations should be doing to grow, reach, and retain patients. There's so much confusion and so many options out there around what you should be focusing on to grow your practice, and we're breaking down each week what really works. We're bringing real-world application, case studies, and interviews from leading growth-minded physicians and healthcare executives. So catch us weekly on your favorite listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Okay, back to the flow. I can see that. I think that's a really good point in in terms of how it's likely to be seen. That stat is kind of blowing me away. The third of consumers who are 
who have even admit that they they'd be willing to switch to a different provider. I mean, that feels like that's completely something that marketers, for instance, need to be aware of that all of their growth efforts to incrementally increase patient volumes in certain service lines that that might be all negated by just a, a small percentage of a, you know, of an experience that is outside of what happens in the clinic. You mentioned that most patients are generally happy with the care they receive. It's this other part of the experience that often the provider has limited ability to affect or impact at all. And that's still something that is going to possibly affect who you see, whether you come back to that doctor again. I think it's that's that's fascinating. Those are numbers that we just want to consider and realize like how that can kind of have ripple effects in other areas of the business. It makes me just think like maybe we just need a reality check here in terms of what's possible now that we have experienced the pandemic and now that we really are looking at a different type of consumer. That's and- right, Jared. Our CEO Florian Otto often kind of makes the analogy around like lodging or hotel stays. So imagine, Jared, you know, you're over there in Scottsdale or wherever you are, right? And you you go to, you know, a Ritz-Carlton or a Fairmont and you have an amazing stay, right? The pool is amazing. The room is incredible, right? The pillows are amazingly down with Egyptian cotton and all sorts of things. And and you have a, a fantastic stay. But if at the end of that, let's say they build you incorrectly, you had to wait in a very long checkout line to actually even like pay your invoice, right? You never understood any of the charges on your folio, would you actually return there, even though everything else of it was a stellar stay, right? So that taste in the consumer's mouth of, of the end of that journey or the portion where it's their turn to, to, to pay that provider really does leave a lasting effect and impact on the loyalty and the a happy customer is a repeat customer uh, type of notion. Yeah. So from your perspective, I know this this isn't uh, binding in any, in any way. I'm just curious from your perspective, do you see us making more progress there over, say, like the next one to two years. What do you see in terms of just the ability to deliver on a better experience overall? I'm pretty bullish on this, Jared, right? Because I, I think as I talk to health systems and providers around the country, a strong digital experience and consumer strategy is typically one of their top five strategic initiatives of, of the health system, right? So I think we're seeing tremendous progress on that, tremendous focus and attention on the provider community to provide uh, experiences that they are, are proud of providing, right? And, and that they want to attach their, their brand to. They want the consumers to kind of feel, touch, experience uh, their healthcare journey in, in much different ways, right? Whether that's checking in online or uh, doing kind of even digital intake or, or registration or receiving a meaningful estimate or a payment plan before their care, or even a personalized path to resolving uh, their bill after their care, there's, there's been a high high focus on that. I also see that with the future of the next, you know, one to two years, like you had asked, we'll see a lot of digital health companies born specifically to address the needs of that consumer, right? And not just the needs of a health system enterprise. I would make this akin to, you know, financial services or travel, where you would have kind of the automation of these large back office systems, like, you know, systems of record, right? Ledger systems by by banks or, you know, systems of booking, like the sabers of the world and travel. And then you have kind of the consumer wrappers that lie on top of those, right? You get the PayPal's and the Zell's and the Venmo's because there was a specific pain point or use case that a consumer really needed to, to solve. And you see the kind of industry moving towards that, where I think we are in that phase uh, in healthcare where that adoption is happening rapidly. 
And I think especially in the next one to two years, given where we were with the pandemic, it's also shown that health systems could actually move quite quickly in adopting this kind of digital strategy or, or these types of, of innovations because they, quite frankly, had to right in the last uh, couple of years. So we, we've seen that skyrocket and we'll continue to do so. So I'm quite bullish, like in the next you know, a couple of years, you're going to see some pretty, pretty amazing innovations on the consumer side that uh, we, we've never we've never had before. So, Ian, that really makes me wonder where Cedar's headed in the next six to twelve months. Maybe in an even shorter timeline. Is there anything you can share about uh, what's on the the immediate horizon? We're really excited, quite honestly, for the next six to twelve months and in beyond. Actually, just last month, Jared at Vive, we we announced the addition of of the Cedar Pre product to our our product uh, suite. And uh, it's a new solution that essentially delivers this comprehensive experience to consumers before they even come in for care, right? So things like notifying them of their appointment, checking in online, filling out your COVID questionnaires, uh, you know, delivering an intelligent, actionable estimate and, and, uh, and maybe a part of their financial journey before they even come in um, so that we can do that with the same things that drive what made our post-visit product so successful, right? Is that we personalize that journey to the patients. We communicate with them in the way that they want to, and we highly tailor that experience to their specific episode that they're coming in for, right? So we're, we're excited to have kind of a true comprehensive end-to-end platform around this because we, we believe that a true end-to-end strategy, it being both consistent and comprehensive is the key to getting a patient truly engaged from beginning to end in their uh, in their care journey. So that's kind of number one. Uh, we, we just released that um, to the wild uh, last month. And then the second uh, area where we're quite bullish is, uh, you know, kind of furthering expand our relationship through a company that we acquired in early summer called UDA Health. Right. And so if for those not familiar with what UDA had done is essentially tackling kind of patient financial experience problem. But they went through it through the payer lens and they kind of had a, a fundamental philosophy that you're not going to be able to fix this patient financial problem if you don't loop in like their insurance plan right, and provide clarity around that. So Cedar acquired that company in early summer of last year and kind of furthering expanding our relationships with the payer community to provide valuable insights at the time of care and at the time of viewing for a patient we believe is critical to making this experience better, right? Because oftentimes, Jared, they're put into this kind of ping pong match, right? Where, you know, you get sent something by a provider and you're like, well, I thought I had insurance. Like, you know, what happened here? And they say, actually, that's a payer problem. Call your payer. So you call your payer, you call them up. They don't know. They say, actually, you should call your provider. That's a, a provider. And you're, you know, as a patient, if you've gone through anything like that or anything serious uh, for a relative like that, you just know how frustrating that can be, right? Where you go back and forth. And so if you loop in both of those stakeholders to that patient, then you can truly solve the root problem there. So we're excited by diving deeper into what those integrations mean and how it can bring value to, to both of those stakeholders. I love hearing that. I love hearing the thought of how all of this ties together and is connected to the complexity, like you mentioned, the complexity of the industry, but being able to still take a step back and say, Here's why we're doing all this, because that's what I hear is the thread between everything you've shared is this thought of if we can improve the financial experience, it's pretty safe to say that that will likely lead more consumers to seek care and stay on top of their health. And at the end of the day, that's one of the best things we can do here to improve society. The one last thing I have for you here as we start to wrap, 
is, is there anything else in the radar screen that, that you're paying attention to right now? Maybe it doesn't even have to do with financial experience. Like you mentioned Amazon at the beginning. Is there anything that they're doing or other retailers or, or something totally outside of that scope? Are there, are there people or organizations or trends that you're paying attention to right now that we haven't talked about? Uh, yeah, a good question, Jared. So I think you know, there are many things that are obviously on our radar and even my personal radar, right? As it pertains to healthcare, there's obviously kind of workforce management and staffing crises, right? That providers are, are dealing with. There's a strong emphasis on change management and being able to kind of streamline the ease of how things get implemented. Most folks can agree like, hey, you want to make the experience better for patients, right? You want to make the experience better, you know, for consumers, but often like implementing some of these, these solutions, they have to be easy because right now health systems typically have a shortage of supply of resources, IT bandwidth and other things. So, you know, being able to implement these things to, to actually produce meaningful change for that, that experience has to be uh, streamlined and, and, and easier. Also, I think there's, you know, kind of big macroeconomic considerations that obviously have to be doing that with you know, the tech sector, even in the first quarter and all of the things that are happening in the world, right? In the kind of global economy that any digital health company truly needs to deliver like real tangible results and ROI, right? Because, uh, you know, again, margins are thin, labor forces are also thin, and there's only so many strategic priorities you can, you know, produce at one time, right? And so if you are truly going to implement things, uh, you need to have kind of that streamlined approach, uh, but also deliver real results around that. You know, that's on both the provider community as well as the tech community, right? Because the, the tech community should deliver this personalized, improved experience that's clear and it's empathetic and it's effective, right? Because like you said, oftentimes when you're seeking healthcare, it's a stressful event and it's it's very much, you know, a human-centric event. And, and the steps that are necessary before and after should not really add to that stress because it's already a stressful ordeal for that patient to go through. So let's try to um, to make that experience easier, better, um, more consumer friendly as we go forward. And we're we're excited that Cedar can bring that uh, innovation to the industry. Fantastic, Ian. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for painting this picture for us and kind of giving us an idea of of what may be coming and and just for giving us so much to think about today. Before we go, I want to make sure to give it, our listeners a chance to know how they can connect with you. Is that on? LinkedIn, or is there a place that, that is easier for them to connect with you if they'd like to? Obviously, you know, you can learn more about Cedar at, at our website, www.cedar.com. Also, you can connect with me personally on, on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, we, we would love to, to chat with uh, the, anyone that wants to chat with us. And that also shares this passion to make healthcare better for consumers. Well, it's been a pleasure, and it really has. Thanks again, and stay safe and stay well, and best of luck in everything you're doing. Can't wait to keep up with you and see what great things are coming out of Cedar. And uh, thanks again for giving us some time today. Thank you, Jared. Thank you for having me on this program. I really appreciate the time. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. Thank you.